This is Doug Clinton from Loop Ventures for a special edition of our podcast. We've been doing a lot of work on tech addiction more recently. And I have a special guest today, Sean Higgins from Better You, who spent a lot of time thinking about the space as well and is creating a company to address technology addiction. So, Sean, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Doug. So maybe just to start, I think the audience probably for the most part is familiar with the concept of tech addiction. But Tell me how you think about the problem and why it's something that interests you. Yeah, it's such an interesting space, right? I think for me, it comes from two elements. You know, one is what folks will usually gravitate towards is just overall screen time, right? So how much time are we spending on our devices? And even for myself, the stat that really got me interested in the space was when I did some research and I found some stats that folks had pulled together. I think it was Adam Alter who I first saw this from. He had this stat where it said in 2007, 32% of discretionary time in the U.S. was spent on a screen. And I heard that and I thought, where was I in 07? And I remembered, I said, oh yeah, I had my little sidekick phone, one of the phones that actually had physical buttons. Do you remember those ones, Doug? I do, yeah. (laughs) Totally. And so I remember that and I was like, wait a minute, why didn't I have a smartphone? And so I immediately looked up, when did the iPhone come out? And it comes out later that year. And I thought, 32% before smartphones? (laughs) This is crazy, right? The numbers go in one direction. And that's, I think, really where it started for me. And where it wound up was this concept of behavioral change, really this idea that our devices have been engineered with a certain outcome in mind. And it's not always the outcome that we, as the end user, really want, per se. So just kind of learning more about the behavioral science side of things and seeing those overall screen time stats really is what got me interested in the space the first time. Why I think it's important. I mean, if you were to list your resources that are most valuable to you, the things that are most valuable in your life, time is usually at the top of the list. So it's really an important problem to solve because if you're being intentional with your time, you're able to get you know more value out of what you're doing. And if you're not, well, you know, kind of you're, you're just idling there and not really moving forward. It feels like, to your point, 2007 with the launch of the iPhone is really almost the tipping point, I guess, of true technology addiction. I mean, obviously people were addicted to the internet. I mean, I'm a little older. I remember talking about internet addiction in 2000s, the early 2000s, but it was never a real serious problem. I didn't feel like it wasn't as visual because obviously we were spending time on the internet at home and now the phone is with us everywhere. And so I imagine, I mean, that 32% number must be 70, 80% now. Where do you think it is? Yeah. The study I last saw was from 2017 and it had it at nearly 90%. So just a hair shy of 90. It was insane, but you're, you're right. I mean, like the launch, the iPhones, smartphones. And I think that's a point that you hit on, which I think is really true. Folks will often ask, What's different from this than television or radio or newspaper? Everyone loves that image of people with the newspapers in the subway where they're not talking to each other, saying, oh, the newspaper is going to you know, destroy <laughs> humanity or whatever. But what's different is you know, this thing follows us around in our pocket. It's with us everywhere we go throughout the day. So many more opportunities for you to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Is part of the answer, and this maybe gets a little bit into better you, but is part of the answer should we just delete apps? I mean, obviously there's been 
motions and movements to delete things like Facebook. I mean, I think Facebook or social media in general is probably offender number one Yep. in terms of the time abuse. But how do you think about that? Like what are sort of actions people can take in addition to maybe using some other third-party software like Better You? I think there are definitely things you can do to sort of tilt the the cards in your favor. And some of them are as simple as, you know, turning off the interruption element of our phones. So things like push notifications, color, so making your phone grayscale, I think those are good pieces that anyone can do. I think when you start to understand how companies and and app companies in particular are leveraging those pieces, I saw a report, this was a few months ago, on the effectiveness of notifications. And the report actually indicated that the more interruptive the form of communication, the more likely it was to get a response. So if I send you a push notification versus if I email you the exact same content, I'm more likely to get a response from that push notification. And it almost creates this idea of a a race to the bottom, right? Where you're targeting someone not to get them to think about what you're actually offering them, but to try to get at their lizard brain, so to speak, where they're just being more reactive and you're getting just that raw instinctual response and you can do things to prevent that, right? So you can you know, turn off push notifications for apps that are non-essential. You can go to grayscale so you're not having your phone shine bright colors at you all the time. And I think those things are good starting points that are really simple and don't cost folks a dime to get going. That's a good point. I've tried several things there. The grayscale I've tried. I've turned off almost all my notifications, deleted social. And I definitely feel like I'm in control is how I kind of think about it, where before that, it felt like the device sort of ran me in a sense, where I was always responding to things happening on the device. And now I feel a little more in control. I also noticed, though, that in some ways, like the device itself is the mechanism of addiction. So even though I don't have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on my phone anymore, there still are periods where I get that twitch in my brain where I'm bored and I'm looking for stimulation, I pick up my phone. And even though I don't have that stuff on there, I find other ways to stimulate myself. So how do you think about that? Like, how do we separate, I guess, the addictive mechanism of the content that the phone is sending to us versus almost like the phone itself as this totem that we know will stimulate us in some way, even if we limit what's on it? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think about this question really from the lens of behavioral design, right? Which And behavioral design has been happening forever. You think about why the milk is in the back of the store when it's the number one reason people go to the store. And you know, if the store was made for you, maybe the milk would be in the front so you could grab it and go. But the store wants you to shop and see other items and increase your cart size. And the phone is really no different. Even when you set out to do something very specific on your phone, you know, say you want to check an email, To do that, you go to your main screen, you probably have missed notifications that you have to either sift through or maybe go down the rabbit hole there. And then, you know, you get to your email app and suddenly it's like you've been attacked, you know, and if you wanted to just compose an email, you have to get through all the new emails that have come in. So there's so many opportunities to shift you off into other areas. And I really think it's because a lot of apps, especially, are designed for time on page, right? That's what they're looking for. That's how they monetize if they're using ads, things like Facebook, They're saying, hey, here's what an average user session is. And it's not always designed with making it very quick or almost transactional in a sense. And it's tricky because it can create this tendency to go into rabbit holes. I think with your initial kind of 
point there though, Doug, this idea of it's more the phone, the apps. I might get rid of some of my apps, but I still have this thing in my pocket. It is so interesting. All the studies around the stress that's created when you're not able to see your phone, right? Or, you know, if you lose your phone, what that's tantamount to, they had one where it was as stressful as it being your wedding day, if you lose your phone. (laughs) So it's kind of going, man, you know, what is this level of attachment we have with these devices? I think a big part of it is how we use our devices, you know, whether it's idling time in the elevator or whether it's actually intentional time where you're doing something you set out to do. I think it's a huge difference with, you know, the latter really being where I want to see, you know, us as a society going with how we're using our devices. And so maybe that's a good segue into some of the efforts from the big tech companies and also how better you fits into the picture. Obviously, last year we saw Apple launch screen time. And so they now have tools that people can use to see how they're spending their time on their device. We actually just did a survey on this, Sean, and 44% of US smartphone users, it was 500 people, 44% said that they have used screen time. So there's definitely an interest in figuring this out, I think. But how do you think about the efforts of Apple and Google and then where better you fits into that mix? Yeah, I think on the one hand, it's great. I love the awareness and, you know, Apple launched screen time in the fall, like you mentioned, and Google has kind of followed suit with their new 9.0 OS. They've got a well-being, which is it's essentially screen time, but for Android users. And I think it's really nice in the sense that it's boosting awareness because it's really the first step. Most people don't know how much time they're spending on device. They don't know 90% of discretionary time in 2017 was on a screen. And so with things like screen time, you can start to see, wow, I'm spending a lot of time on my device and you can take some actions accordingly. I think what's tricky and the issue I have with kind of ending the conversation there is really you need to be a little more proactive, at least in terms of what I think about driving behavioral change. You know, awareness is step number one. And there were apps prior to screen time. Moment is one that I think about that did a good job of kind of showing you where your time was going. But I want to kind of take it to the next step. How do I use my time, you know, better, right? I think we're all kind of faced with this idea of how much time should we be using on our devices? And what should that time really be going towards? And for better you, we're really focused on that second question. We think that question is the key to solving the problem of making sure we're using our devices and they're not using us. To get to that point, though, Doug, you know, you really have to think about what's important to an end user. What do they care about? And then map, you know, where's their time going today? How could they have used that time better? And then really try to get them choices in situations where they previously are in autopilot scrolling through their Twitter feed, give them some choices where they can say, wait a minute, I said I would rather be doing this instead. Why am I here on Twitter? Those types of moments are absolutely huge for driving intentionality. Folks have to know that there are options on the menu. So maybe give us a description of what it would look like if a user or a person listening were to use Better You. What's the experience like? So Better You is a digital coach that is designed to help you make better digital decisions. It all starts by coming in and picking some goals. So you log in for the first time and it asks, what's important to you? You could set goals around physical wellness. Maybe you want to get a certain amount of sleep each night or, you know, get some exercise in. You could set goals around social wellness. Are there people you want to make sure you're staying in touch with regularly? For me, I have a weekly call to my mom that I want to make sure I never miss. 
you can also set goals around kind of education, you know, reading every day, learning a new language or mindfulness, taking time out of your day to reflect, meditate. And once you pick your goals, the app works in the background. So it's picking up off of this data exhaust that's created by our phones every day. It's turning that exhaust into wellness insights and then looking for areas where you're just being inconsistent with what you said was important to you. And so this is one that actually happened to me, Doug. So I was on my phone. This is two weeks ago. I try to do my call to my mom at home. I only do it on the weekends. And so the app kind of picks up on my contacts and says, all right, Sean hasn't done the call, but we're not going to bug him because he's at work. And so, you know, it was Saturday. I was on Instagram, just kind of idling, right? And looking through posts for no reason. And Better You came up over the top and sent me a notification and said, hey, Sean, you said chatting with mom was a top goal this week. Can Instagram wait for 10 minutes? And for me as an end user, it was huge because it got me back on track and it introduced an option that at that time I was not thinking about at all. I was just thinking about what's that next Instagram post? What's the next Instagram post? (laughs) And it got me back on track. So the goal sort of with better you is to break that loop when you fall into, you know, we've all probably done the, I'm going to look at Instagram for two minutes. And then 20 minutes later, you finally realize that you spent 18 more minutes than you thought you would on it. So the idea is to kind of break those loops with better you by understanding where you actually want to spend time and watching where you are actually spending time. Totally. I think about it this way. It's almost like a lot of app companies leverage this sense of forecasting error. Right When Instagram sends me a notification, they, they know my average session time on Instagram. They know the cost. Right, If I hit this, I'm there for five minutes or whatever it might be. But I don't really know the cost or have a good way of estimating it. So it seems like a little thing. Sean, see, this person just had a post. But if I understood that what I'm doing when I hit this notification and go into Instagram mode, that I'm giving up that call with my mom, I wouldn't do it. Right, I would pick my mom over that. That's why I said it was really important to me. And so what better you is doing is it's looking at those trade-offs and making sure you're making the right ones. And who are the customers early on that you're seeing, you know, what people are really interested in taking action, using screen time is one thing, but actually using better you is a real step to change behavior. 100%. You know, you hit on this point earlier, Doug, that there's just a lot more awareness around the problem. It's something that we all kind of feel. I talk to folks and I, you know, mention, you know, my personal examples of winding up on Netflix on one in the morning when I say I want to get seven hours of sleep and everyone says, yeah, that happens. It's a very relatable area right now. And so we've seen a lot of interesting traction, mainly with businesses and schools. And I think it's interesting. I'll, I'll hone in maybe on the school use case for a second. Uh, students are, are really faced with kind of juggling so many different balls. They've got new social requirements, trying to meet new people. They've got academic requirements, trying to keep up with school. And they're really a group of digital natives. You know, I remember growing up, you know, without a phone, you'd go to soccer practice, your mom would just come pick you up. That was the contract. And now by 10, everyone has, you know, their phones by age 10. And so these latest generation of college students, that's really all they've known. It's been by their side for such a long time. And so being able to help them manage that time more effectively, it's been a really good group. They've been very receptive to that side of the equation. Yes. Students, I mean, you hear about the problem of getting students' attentions in classrooms. It's amazing. So that seems like a natural use case. And I've heard some teachers even giving like extra credit for students that use these applications. How do you think about the incentives for both business professionals, which maybe it's monetary and and students where maybe it's credit, but how important are the incentives 
associated with changing this behavior? Yeah. Anytime you're talking about behavior change, you know, reinforcement is a positive tool. It's a powerful tool. And, you know, if it's positive reinforcement and you're able to get folks certain things for us, we like to have some element of rewards, you know, whether it's credit, whether it's monetary, maybe it's a coffee or, you know, whatever it might be. Some of those different pieces are pieces we found that other wellness apps were actually already doing. So you're able to kind of co-sponsor them with your client partner there, which is very nice. And in terms of what we've seen be effective, you know, really you want to give folks that reinforcement when they're doing something in that moment that's positive. So when someone hits their first goal, they max it out right in a category. That's a big moment. So letting them know that they made some good decisions that week is powerful and something that we want to reinforce. So that's been a very good one. You know, folks that are getting overall improvement, you know, week over week, that's another one where it's, we say, yep, like we recognize you're making the, making the strides to be that best version of yourself. And so that's another area where we think the positive reinforcement can come in huge, but really focusing on linking it back to that action or activity that this person's engaging in that's really admirable, whether it's less screen time or just time better spent. It makes sense. Let me ask a, maybe it's a more sobering question, but tech addiction, it is such a problem. You see it everywhere you go. Do you think it's really solvable? You know, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are so good at drawing our attention. Do we have a chance against these data giants that know so much about us that they can tailor anything to kind of capture our attention? Yeah, it is a great question, right? I think about the recommendation engines, the ones that are really good. And I think about Netflix, I think about YouTube. And YouTube knows what I want, but maybe just what I'll watch. It's unclear, right? And sometimes I end up spending time on apps like that kind of wondering, you know, wait a minute, <laughs> was this really a good use of my time? Was this where I wanted to be? I think from a couple perspectives, I think one, if you can give the end user the ability to author the options on the menu, they're going to pick the option that is the best. And if they realize that by continuing to watch this YouTube video or you know go to the next episode of Netflix, it's costing them something that's important, that is a way to drive awareness saying, wow, I could watch this next movie, but it's going to cut into my sleep and I'm only going to get four hours, which I said was no good. So what we really try to focus on is, can you give that menu back into the hands of the user? Because currently the options on the menu are all go to the next video, go to this other app on your phone. They all keep you on device. And so if there's a way to kind of break out of that loop, we think it's by getting the user the ability to author the options that are put in front of them. That makes sense. Let me ask one last question around how people can learn more about this problem. Are there any favorite resources or people that are doing work in this space that you like to pay attention to that you would suggest other people also pay attention to? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good research in this area. I would say the three people that I follow the most probably are Adam Alter, who wrote Irresistible, which is a book about why it's so hard to put down that phone at the end of the day or anytime during the day. And he's got a lot of good stuff about the behavioral change pieces, the tricks that app makers will use to kind of get you hooked. And as you read through that book, you start recognizing it in your daily life. You say, oh, this is an example of intermittent variable rewards where I don't know the notification I'm going to get, but they said something's happened on my profile, so I should go check it out. And it's like pulling the, the slot machine, right, to see what's going to happen. So Adam's a great resource. I also like Tristan Harris, who's done some really good stuff. He's got some good essays up on his blog. 
very powerful stuff. Again, more on the behavioral change side. And the last one is actually somewhat lesser known, but I, I like Hillary Cash. She founded the Restart Clinic, which is actually a clinic about folks who have technology addiction. It's similar to you know any type of clinic where you have folks that have a problem and they get either checked in or they voluntarily come in, except for their clinic is 100% around folks that you know had something bad happen in their lives due to too much tech usage. And so she works with them to get them back on track. That's a great one. I'm actually, I'm not familiar with Hillary Cash, but I will definitely check her out. And what about you, Sean? Where can we find more information about how you're thinking about things and where can we check out Better You? So our website is definitely the best resource. It's Better You. We spell out you, Y-O-U, dot A-I is the website. And on there, you can find links to just kind of what we're doing, how our product works, the AI component, why we think that's important for helping you author the menu. And then you also can get some insight on our blog, just how we're thinking about the problem in general. You know, we have this post on kind of really what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's called The Attention Economy Doesn't Need Yours. And that's where you can kind of find our founding thesis and what we're all about. Excellent. We'll add that to the show notes too. Uh, Well, this is a fun conversation, Sean. Like I said, it's a space we care a lot about. I think it's super interesting and it's important for everybody, I think, to recognize when they are falling into those loops and hopefully they can find ways to break them, whether that's with screen time or better you or whatever works for the individual. But thanks for coming on and we'll look forward to continuing the conversation. Absolutely, Doug. Thanks so much for having me, man. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you. 